it's funny. Everyone always says it took a lot of courage for you to go out on your own. And, and when I decided to make a plunge 10 years ago, I really felt at that point that I didn't have a choice. You know, of course I did have a choice. Everyone always has a choice, but I knew that I would always reach my greatest potential if I went out on my own. And because of that, I, I really didn't have a choice. So I didn't see it as an act of courage. I, I felt it was an act of survival, really. This is Women Killing It. Each week, women who are killing it in their careers share their stories and advice for making it in today's working world. Your host is Sally Hubbard. Today, my guest is Jill Malik, an artist and designer and entrepreneur. She's founder of Jill Malik Wallpaper and the co-owner of Sissy and Marley for Jill Malik, a children's wallpaper company. Jill, congratulations. You are killing it. Thanks, Sally. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to talk to you, and I want to hear all about your career path. Could you first just tell us what Jill Malik Wallpaper is all about? Yes, of course. So I'm approaching my 10th year of designing and providing hand-printed, nature-inspired wall coverings. Hand-printed means that they are literally printed by hand, not by me, but by other printers that I work with. And I also create custom design packages for other interior designers and architects. And your wallpaper has appeared in some major places, right? Like huge companies. Could you tell about some of the places that your wallpaper has been installed? Yes, I have been very fortunate in that regard. It's been installed in the YouTube flagship corporate offices. It's been installed in Bloomingdale's and Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, most recently, it was all over the Ritz-Carlton Boston location. And I've done custom rugs for Weston ballrooms worldwide. It's been Holt Renfrew in, in Toronto. I should read my bio because everything is there. And uh, it's been in a lot of retail and it's been a lot of high-res res- residential. This year, I also did a custom 100-foot mural with Rockwell Architects in Maya Romanoff for a huge art display at the Yellow Magnolia Cafe and at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. So I'm doing a lot of custom pieces as well. I also saw that your wallpaper has been installed in 50 floors of the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas Hotel and Resort Casino. Yes. So that was a wonderful, that was my first giant project that I had um, soon after I started out, actually. And yes, it was installed on 50 floors of the East and West corridors of the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. So that was an amazing job I had, and it's still there. So I'm really, really was, and still I'm excited about that. So you've taken, you know, your passion for art and turned it into a very successful career, which a lot of people would be very envious of. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about pursuing your passion, doing what brings you joy as your career. And, you know, a lot of people, especially in the field of art, really struggle with how to turn their passion into, you know, something that can support them. I would love to hear about how, what gave you the courage to start your own company? Like, how did you arrive at that point when you decided to go on your own? It's funny. Everyone always says it took a lot of courage for you to go out on your own. And and when I decided to make the plunge 10 years ago, I really felt at that point that I didn't have a choice. You know, of course I did have a choice. Everyone always has a choice. But I knew that 
I would always reach my greatest potential if I went on on my own. And, and because of that, I, I really didn't have a choice. So I didn't see it as an act of courage. I, I felt it was an act of survival, really, um, if that makes sense. You know, I was working in a lot of corporate companies and I had a lot of wonderful experience and contacts from being in those kind of situations, but I knew that I would never really reach my greatest creative potential and do the kind of projects that I really wanted to do and have the variety of projects that I wanted to do if I didn't go out and, and seek my own types of opportunities. So I, I kind of just did it and I really followed my own intuition and that kind of led me to where I am today. And before you went out on your own, you were an art director, right? Yes. So I had a lot of experience doing graphic design for in corporate companies and marketing departments. And then I was art directing for Starwood. And um, again, it was it was a great opportunity for me. And I love the people that I work with. That's one of the things that I miss actually about working in those kinds of environments is, is seeing the same people every day and, and forming those kinds of relationships because it can be lonely when you go off on your own at first. But I wanted, you know, not only did I want to go off on my own, but I wanted to do something different. I was working in print design mainly. So I wanted to meld the graphic design world and the interior design world together and, and work on a larger scale. So that's where wallpaper came in for me. It was a natural transition because I had the graphic design skills, but um, it, it was a new tool I needed to learn. I didn't know anything about wallpaper at the time, but I, I wanted something completely new. And it allowed me to have the ability to impact environments to work on a larger scale. And so it was very exciting at the time. How did you go about learning how to do wallpaper? Um, I really just asked a ton of questions. I took out wallpaper designers for lunch and, and took a lot of notes. I was very fortunate enough to have vendors at the time who ta taught me, showed me the ropes when they didn't have to. They really, you know, they were working with much larger companies than myself, you know, were kind enough to school me and teach me the basics. And it's, fr I'm still learning, you know, it's been 10 years, I'm still learning the ins and outs of it. But I'm, I was self-taught, really. And how did you get the clients? I mean, that's the thing that seems most daunting, I think, for most people who want to start their own business. I was fortunate enough to start in an age, like everyone else, where blogs and social media were the best way to get your name out, especially for, for artists and small design practices. And so I got a lot of good blog hits and people that were willing to write stories about me and my name just kind of traveled and circulated that way and then I started to do local design shows and that was a great way to get exposure as well and those were the really the two main ways I got my name out and then it just became a matter of word of mouth and forming collaborations as I went along. Now when you're an art director you had a steady paycheck. And so I know you said it wasn't scary for you. You felt like you didn't have a choice. Yeah, that part, that part was awesome. You know, I, I knew exactly how much money I was bringing in every week. And, and that, that was the one thing and still is the one thing that I do miss because, you know, even though I'm more established now and I had a lot of great successes, 
when you own your own business, there's always that possibility that money is not going to come in for, for a certain period of time. And then it can come out like a huge amount. Like you just, you know, you, you don't always, you know, I'm doing a better job at forecasting what money's coming in and when now, but it can be challenging in that regard. So that's one thing that I, I do really miss. But no matter like how much I feel bad about money that may not be coming in at certain times, nothing is greater. There's no feeling that can match when you know your work is well received and you do have that giant paycheck that comes in from a job that you feel so proud about. Like there's nothing that matches that feeling. So no matter how down I might feel during certain months when the when the flow of income is not as its peak where it should be, um, it always turns itself around. And, you know, I certainly don't have the financial fears that I used to, um, but it is a constant challenge that I need to work at. Um, but I feel, you know, confident enough in my abilities and where I'm going that it's becoming less and less of an issue for me. I think that's what keeps a lot of people from pursuing their dream is they the thought of giving up that paycheck is really hard to get over. Mm-hmm. Did that worry you and or you just didn't think about it? I never no. I mean I ne- I I think that my need to do what I'm doing was so strong that it overshadowed everything else. And that, you know, longing for a steady paycheck does return, but I've had ample opportunity to go back to that life. And I never have. You know, it's it's been 10 years now. I could have always gone back to it, and I probably still can at this point. But, you know, I, I have something inside me that needs to be expressed, and I have a, a vision of where I want to go, and I know I'm going to get there. And so I'm, I've gone too far on this path to really go back now, I think. so. Um, and I think for people that are scared to take the plunge, They'll probably, you know, if the, if they have a need to do this that's strong, they'll probably feel much more limited doing what they're doing if they never at least entertain that idea. So as far as you've come, are there any particular highlights or proud moments that really stand out in your mind of things you're particularly proud of? Yes, there are a bunch of them, actually. I, I think one of them is the first time my patterns were part of the permanent collection in the Brooklyn Museum. And that was after a year that I felt was particularly slow. And that kind of recognition from an esteemed establishment was very validating for me. Another time was when Sissy and Marley, which is my partner's kids wall covering company, when we received together with Sissy Marley and with my own patterns. We showed at ICFF one year and we received the ICFF Editors Award, which at that time, I don't think there were many small companies that had received that award. It was usually for the larger, more established corporate giants in the industry that were getting those kinds of awards. And that was a huge deal for a small company like us to receive that and get that kind of recognition. That was another time. And the project that I did this year with Rockwell, which is at the Botanic Garden, was also a huge success for me. It's a very public installation, the mural that I designed with Rockwell. And um, it was also a new 
art form. You know, I'm usually doing repeated patterns and this was a custom mural. So it really felt like a piece of art for me and um, it was so exciting. So those are three highlights that stand out right now. Those are amazing highlights. So your wallpaper is in the permanent collection of the Brooklyn Museum? Yes, in, in for decorative arts. That is amazing. Oh my goodness. I have to go see it. Well, you can see it. It's not, so it's not, it's not actually on display. I think in the permanent section, they basically have a library of different samples from different artists. Okay. So I'll go to the Botanic Garden to see your mural then instead. Yeah, you can go to the Botanic Garden and you can go, and the Ritz-Carlton project that I did this year was also huge actually in Boston. There are about five of my patterns throughout the hotel, in the ballroom, in the guest suites, in the bar and lounge, and in the, in the bathrooms, in the closets. So yeah, five patterns that I did for the Rich Carlton Boston. That's also an exciting project I did this year that I'm pretty proud of. That's some major stuff. So what are some lessons that you've learned as you've built your business and have you, as you've gone through these changes in your career? What are some, what's some advice that you would share with other women who are trying to achieve their goals? Or things that you wish you would have known when you were starting out? Um, well, you know, as I said, this is, I'm approaching my 10th year. And I've always navigated through my business, through my intuition and gut. And it's, for the first time, I decided that I needed to hire a, a business coach. And so this year, just recently, I decided that I needed to do a better job at planning my strategy on how I'm going to move forward and navigate better by getting more clients and customers. I've done a great job up until now without having that formal business training, but I really want to take it to the next level. So I think having some sort of business plan and strategy before you take the plunge, even if it doesn't feel natural to you, is very important. And and if you don't know how to do it, then talk with people that do that can help you. So that, and, and I'm just doing it now for the first time. I mean, I, of course I had a business plan, but it was very, very loose and not very robust. And um, I'm basically hiring someone right now to tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong. And it's very helpful. And, and it's the first time that I feel that I have a, a lot of control over my business, which is a great feeling. I know a lot of people who are creative or, you know, who are artists, they have the skill set for creating the product, but the whole business side of things can be an extra challenge. Yeah. And it's not, it's not even so much that their brains are not, I mean, a lot of times their brains aren't built in that capacity, but sometimes it's just a matter of not having the training, not having taken the classes in school and not, you know, being in environments where you're asked to use those kinds of skill sets. And for me, that was the case. And so just having that basic foundation, working with someone that knows exactly what she's doing, who's also, you know, right now my, my business coach has really walked the talk. You know, she had her own business that was extremely successful and she sold it. And now she's working with women who have small businesses and coaching them and sharing her seeds of wisdom and I, and I think it's really important to align yourself. If you don't have the ability or the skill set or knowledge to do it, I think it's important to align yourself with people that do. And it's going to make your, your job 
you know, much better. So you can really focus on what you're good at. You can focus on the creative side of your business and have someone else that can help you push it forward in, in ways that you don't always know how to. And this reminds me of one of the steps that's in my seven steps to killing it action plan that is on my website, womenkillingit.com. And the reason why I put it in there was I heard this from so many women that you need to ask for help, right? It's just kind of not our natural instinct. A lot of us, or maybe it's not natural, maybe it's the way we've been socialized, but it doesn't come naturally to always be asking others for help. And then that actually really holds you back, right? When you ask others for help, you're able to focus on what you're best at. And in addition to you know not having the training to do the business side of things, if you need to be creating the designs and, and creating the actual product, there's only so much you can do at once, right. right? Yeah, so when you ask for help and you find those people who have the skills um, that can complement your skill set and they take you to the next level, you get, you know, you find a lot more success. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I hired a saleswoman for the first time, actually, for a trade show that I just did. And in a million years, I never would have done what she was doing. I, I watched how she was talking to people, and she brought so many people in my booth. And it was very natural for her to do that and very easy for her to talk about my work and sell it in ways that I don't always do with people. And it was a reminder to me that some people are just naturally better at those things than I am. And it's okay to pay for people to do that. And you should pay for people to do that. So that was, <laughs> that was actually a great experience that I had. And asking for help is great, but sometimes you just need to pay for it. Like the, the business coaching, I never felt that it was worth it for me to pay someone else to tell me how to run my business. Cause I thought that no one else can tell me how to run my business cause it's my business and I have the vision for it. But Paying someone who can look at it in ways that are beyond you, I think is very empowering and has been extremely helpful for me. I know a lot of times small businesses don't feel like they have the resources to pay for this type of help. But the reality is if you do pay and you invest in it, you're investing in your future, you will get more returns. Like obviously with a salesperson, right? You invest in the salesperson, you're going to get that money back, you know, multiple right. times over. Sometimes I think we need to really believe that we're worth investing in and our vision is worth investing in, right? Even if that can also be scary. That's yeah, true. Um, how has it been as a woman in your field? Is it Are there a lot of women with wallpaper design companies or what is the industry like in that regard? Actually, there are. You know, when I, when I started, there were... Artists turned designers turned wallpaper designers that were popping up specifically in Brooklyn. It's this very strange trend. And there are a lot of female wallpaper designers that I know in my community. And in the business in general, you know, there, there are men and women. But I think in design fields, more and more, there are, there are more women that are popping up. So with your clients, would you say you're dealing mostly with men or women or equal numbers? I think in my clients are mostly interior designers. And there, there does happen to be a larger um, number of women that, that seems to be in the interior design community. So I would say most of my clients, the majority of my clients are women. That's interesting. It's hard to find a, 
female-dominated field. <laughs> That's not, you know, the traditional um, ones we think of, like nursing and teaching and stuff like that. Um, most most of my guests are always, you know, yes, I've been, I'm often the only woman in the room, but that's not the case for you. Well, yeah, I mean, they're they're interior designers and architects, and I would say the starchitects, meaning the the architects that have the most notoriety in their field, are men still for sure. Um, but in interior design, there there do seem to be more women that I deal with. So it might not be fair to me to say that that it is mostly women. Like I do deal with a lot of men, but yeah, I, I think it's at least equal, if not more, women than than men. And so, do you feel that your gender has come into play at all in building your business? What I'm trying to understand, you know, so we're often thinking about solutions and ways to make the working world more egalitarian, right? And a very kind of obvious solution is to have more women in in positions of power, right? So since there are more women, it seems, in positions of power in your field, it would be interesting to know if you've not had, you know, negative experiences involving sexism, that would be an indicator that it's true. You put more women in, in positions of power and things will get better for women, yeah. So that's why I was asking. I you haven't. That. I have to say, like, I I haven't felt that so much in my business. You know, I've I just I, not that it doesn't exist, and maybe I haven't always been as sensitive or clued into it. But I, I I have not felt discriminated against specifically, and that might just be because I'm my um, entrepreneur. Like, I I do remember when I was working in more corporate settings, for sure, I felt that all the time. But my, my path has been unique in that I've been, you know, kind of on my own and working one-on-one with people. And I haven't felt instances where I felt stereotyped or mistreated in that way. I do remember one time being asked to speak and the people that were, you know, hosting the event specifically were asked to invite more women to speak because it was the men that were were mostly speaking at these kinds of lectures. So I was invited to speak at a design conference, basically. And including myself, I remember being on stage afterwards for a Q&A. And all of the men were pretty unprepared, but extremely confident and casually talking about their business. And the women who, including myself, who were probably over-prepared, were very silent. And I, and I don't think it was necessarily the men's fault in that. I, I just think um, it, it was probably more of a confidence issue. But I do remember feeling that disparity. And I think after that moment, I realized that I need to have a stronger voice as a woman in, in the design field. Not because that there are, are more men, but because it's the men that tend to speak out more in these kinds of environments and, and just have more confidence. Definitely. That's something I've been trying to really drill down on a lot on this podcast is that confidence gap and what causes it. And one of the things that I think is just true is just we live in, you know, we know it's a patriarchal society. We know that women are often subject to higher standards, have to perform better to get the same amount of praise 
or promotions or whatnot. So I think it's natural if you as a guy in your experience moving through this world is that when you say things, people think you're smart and you're right. And when you as a woman, you say things and people think, mm, I don't know, what is what does Joe down there think about this concept? You know, it's just going to happen that women are going to prepare much more because we know we right. have to, right? But it is something that I w- would like us all to collectively get over. And I myself have been getting over that largely because I don't have time to prepare for anything anymore. So that's helpful. <laughs> but um, that over-preparing gap is also a drain, right? It leads to burnout. It leads to um, exhaustion and, and p- women spinning out of the workforce because they're so overloaded. And then, you know, the mantles, as I call them, I've talked a lot about that and trying to get women out there speaking and and my my own self I've been really making a big effort to have my voice heard on panels in mm-hmm. my industry so I think you raise a lot of important points there and uh, I look forward to the day when we can be as underprepared as men are and as confident as, <laughs> as they are uh, someone was just telling me a story the other day of an expert that they kept hearing everywhere assuming he was this great expert on one topic and then when they actually interviewed him they're like but he didn't know anything but he's been touted everywhere as an expert and here I am like before I'll put out my expertise I want to make sure I know absolutely everything and there's nothing that I have that I don't know it's not a good uh gap and it's not a good imbalance at all it doesn't help women at all so uh, that's mm-hmm. a helpful story have you had any mentors who have influenced you in your career yes I've had I've had a bunch actually I mean speaking of of women killing it and women who are speaking out professionally in their fields and are very confident. I have a lot of female friends who are truly killing it in their professions. And they may not have been specific mentors for me, but I've learned a lot by watching them and seeing how confident they are and seeing them rise to the top of their fields because of their confidence and competence. And they've indirectly been mentors for me, for sure. I think I've also been mentored by the printers that I work with that print my wall coverings, who I said before, they didn't have to take on a small business when I was just starting out because they were working with much larger businesses at the time. But they took a chance on me and they taught me the industry and were patient with me. And I really appreciated them. And they really helped me flourish my business in ways I could never have done that. So those are other sets of mentors that I've always had. Um, my stepfather actually has been a great mentor. He was a, he is a creative consultant. And when I was first starting out, he asked me the right questions that reminded me why I'm doing what I'm doing. He used to be a scientist actually and worked at Scott Paper. He created some of the original patents for Scott Paper. And he was in a similar position in that he worked for a corporate company for a long time and he he needed to go out on his own. He wanted to work individually with different kinds of companies, even after leaving a job that was extremely secure, where he had a broad financial future. He took that risk, as you might say. But he, he was a huge mentor for me because he understood what I was going through when I started my business and has always asked the right questions and has always been a, a good springboard for me. And, um, you know, my husband, I guess, has been a mentor as well. 
he's you know he was always supportive of me when I when I first started and um, we fought nonstop about my work and <laughs> it's actually been so helpful because he he's so passionate um, about what I'm doing and is invested in it as well and and I always feel that the products that I design were better after I molded over with my husband. So I've, I valued his input and he has, he has helped me considerably as well. That's great. You've had so many good mentors to help you along. And, and the first point you make about your friendship group, that's something that we've talked about is that, that squad, you know, having that, that group of women who kind of support you and you learn from is really important. I've heard a lot of my guests say that that's have credited similar type of like squads as for their success. I was just going to say, especially having female friends who not only are on top of their professions, but have families as well and are, are seemingly able to balance everything has, has been very inspirational for me to see. Right. Or knowing that we all can't really balance it, but we're just doing our best and that's, <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> well put. <laughs> I had a, a guest a while ago named Samantha Edis who wrote a book called The Pie Life, and it's all about how life is just messy and the best life is a messy life and just yeah. got to embrace the messiness and live in as many slices of life as you can. Yeah, I mean, if you feel that you're doing the best that you can and you're being the best version of yourself, I, I think that's all you can hope for. And I wanted to pick up a point you made before, which is that you felt some sexism when you were in the corporate world, but when you went on your own, it's been a different experience. And I've heard that a lot too. And it's kind of this whole idea of if you're not welcome at the table, then build your own table. I really would love to know to what extent sexism in the workplace is what is spurring so many women to become entrepreneurs. For me specifically, I'm a bit of an introvert and um, I'm certainly not shy at all, but I am an introvert. And in a corporate setting, you have to be loud, and you have, especially in America, I think you have to be loud. You have to be heard. You have to show constantly that you have strong opinions. When you're at a round table, you know there's something to be said for participating, of course. But I remember so many people would, especially the people that got the most attention, they didn't even necessarily say anything interesting or of much import. But if they were loud and they were heard and you know, they came and fluffed their feathers and everyone paid attention to them. They're the ones that seemed to rise above. And I was not like that. Like I, I was always very thoughtful and I certainly had opinions, but I spoke when I needed to, not because, you know, it was important to be heard. And I think when I went on my own, I, I didn't feel that pressure. It was much more natural for me to go into companies and, and speak because, what I was talking about was more valuable to me, I guess, and and um, I didn't have that pressure. But I, I think that was the, the bigger difference. And unfortunately, I think that chest puffing is something that is especially hard for women. It's definitely hard for some men too, but I think it's especially hard for women. And, you know, I'm sure it has something to do, plays some role in, in the gender pay gap and and not having women at the highest levels. And as we've seen, some of these really alpha type males ascend to the top, you know, especially we've been seeing with all these sexual harassment uh, cases that are allegations that a lot of these men who have this like very aggressive personality actually are rewarded in the corporate settings, the way the world is structured now with 
you know, what kind of behavior is awarded in a corporate of very aggressive settings. I actually heard someone refer recently to being in a, a room full of roosters, which I thought was a great way <laughs> to view the the chest puffing, right? Like I'm just I'm in this I'm in this meeting with a bunch of roosters. <laughs> I think it can be harder for women to be the rooster. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not the natural response, I think. But for me when I was in those kinds of environments and it I felt that, you know, it was kind of a competition on who had the biggest balls for lack of a better word. The product itself wasn't important anymore. It was really just a display of who had the most confidence and I and I think for me the value of what I was doing then became kind of lackluster. It didn't have as much import for me because of the politics in in the corporate companies that I worked in. And so it was challenging for me to feel good about what I was doing. And, And that's another reason why I realized if I went on my own, and of course I deal with politics now too, and and I and clients who want ridiculous things and it there's still bullshit obviously, but the drive that pushes me to do what I do every day is out of a pure passion, you know, and, and I feel 100% great about the product that I'm putting out. And when I work for other people, especially in those settings with the gender politics, I didn't always feel that way. And, you know, that's an interesting when you said that your work wasn't as important, the actual work product becomes less important when it's about the politics it's not about the quality of the work product, which is just another bit of evidence as why bias and gender bias leads to worse business results, right? I mean, it's not about the quality of the product at that point. Well, add that to the list. We've been we've been kind of documenting on this podcast all the different ways that bias, both gender and, and race bias, leads to worse business results. So there's yet another example. <laughs> Well, Jill, I am just so impressed by everything you've managed to achieve, and I'm going to go check out your your display at uh, the Botanic Garden. For our listeners who want to keep up with what you're doing, where or check out your designs, where should they go on the internet? www.jillmalek.com is my website, J-I-L-L-M-A-L-E-K. I also post frequently on social media, on Instagram. My handle is Jill Malik, one word, and Facebook as well. Those are the best ways to keep abreast of what I'm doing. Oh, and last question, what's next? Um, what's well, next I, for you, I've realized that I love working in collaborations with different kinds of people that are doing things that I'm not. So I am working on a bunch of collaborations that I can't talk about yet, but that's what I'm doing next. Also working with more potential hotel projects. And those are the big things I'm doing. Awesome, Jill. I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see these new collaborations. And thank you so much for joining today. It's been such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and most importantly, tell a friend about us. Thanks for joining us.